The Start On Demand. On demand. The effects of the COVID-19 pandemic are being felt everywhere. And one area that is getting hit really hard is local business. We will speak to the owner of one of Winnipeg's most famous local businesses, the King's Head Pub, on having to be closed on its busiest day of the year, St. Patrick's Day. We'll also speak to the co-founders of Third and Bird, who through their markets bring together dozens of local businesses, local vendors, local makers, as they call them, and they've had to postpone their spring market. So what does that mean for all of those makers? And Cineplex, along with Landmark Cinemas, have closed their theaters across the country. So that got us thinking, well, if we want to watch a movie, I guess we have to watch it at home. So we want to know, what is your favorite comfort blanket movie? I'm Brett McGarry. Alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, we are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day edition of The Start. COVID-19 Pandemic. Canadian government taking steps to secure the border. Ottawa barring most foreigners except Americans from entering Canada. We learned that yesterday from the Prime Minister. And starting tomorrow, only four Canadian airports, Montreal, Toronto, Calgary and Vancouver, will be allowed to accept international flights. And now is the time to take this particular step. It is a significant step. Uh, It is a step that we take in exceptional circumstances, but it is the right step to be taking today. Canada's chief medical health officer says the new travel restrictions will help to try and slow the spread of COVID-19. While few question the need to keep the border open when it comes to trade, there are many wondering why American visitors are not banned. Global National's Abigail Beeman looks at that one for us. Travelers flow through Toronto's Pearson Airport, one of four that will remain open to international flights when new restrictions come into force. you got to do proper screening to make sure everything's straight so you don't want to keep sending it back and forth. And for now, flights between Canada and the U.S. are not restricted. We have been uh, collaborating very closely with the United States. But with such a high number of COVID-19 cases south of the border, British Columbia, for one, wants a tougher ban. Washington State has seen the most deaths. It's our strong message that visitors from the United States uh, not come to British Columbia, don't come. At this moment, uh, that is uh, the wrong thing to do. That Canada-U.S. border in particular is a lifeline for both of our countries. This is a situation which we are reviewing constantly in real time. With a volatile American president who may not take kindly to a shutdown, Ottawa says Canadian leaders made the decision on their own, and it may change. Ministers point to the food supply chain as a critical thing to protect. Truck drivers and others who rely on cross-border life are also exempt from the 14-day requirement to self-isolate when they return. If we put in uh, measures to for mandatory Uh, self-isolation, as many people have looked for, there would need to be enforcement measures around that, uh, both by public health and by uh, public safety. No plans to do that yet. Abigail Beeman, Global News, Ottawa. Okay, can you guys just help me out with one thing on this? I'm pretty sure in there it says that if you come to Canada, you have to Mm self-isolate for 14 days. Right. So you're probably not coming on a vacation to come and just self-isolate. But this has to be a concern because two of the states that are most highly infected, you heard it in that report, are Washington State 
And one of the other states that's seeing a, a high rate of cases is New York State, which borders onto Ontario in the east. So that's a concern. And then when you see images like we saw on social media, and if you poked around enough on the news, I think Drex was talking about it overnight, scenes from Clearwater Beach, Florida, or Clearwater Bay, Florida, thousands of people on the beach yesterday in the water, congregating, not by the dozens, not by the hundreds, but by the thousands. And that's part of the concern in my mind is the fact that the rate of testing in the United States is so low. And the fact that there seems to be in some places a huge respect for this social distancing suggestion. And then in other parts of America, it's like party on. I don't know if you saw any of the images from Disney World on Sunday night. You couldn't move in Disneyland Sunday night, their, their last day of opening. And you mentioned uh, Drex, and he uh, posted something on his social media last night, and I'm just scrambling to find it here. I took so many screenshots of all the things I was seeing last night on the social media. I can't even find it. I'm just going through the different businesses, uh, like for and the, the things that are affected, like the Grace Hospital Gala has been postponed until the fall. Here it is from Drex. The decision to not shut the border to Americans will backfire on Trudeau on an epic level. A journalist asked about the science of that decision. He gives a political answer. So, not a decision made in science. The U.S. is a COVID-19 hotspot. Feels like a dangerous choice. It's all just relying a lot on people doing the right thing. And so, the idea that people are actually, you know, crossing the border to continue trips into Canada or or tourism or that that notion might not be happening, but we're also relying on that idea that if they do come, even just to shop or cross the border, like a lot of those communities, you mentioned Vancouver and, and Washington State, Greg, they are moving back and forth on a pretty regular basis. So truckers aside who are moving goods, people will continue to come and go. And, and I'd be shocked if all of them choose to come or return to their own country and self-isolate on either end. Well, if you've ever been to Vancouver, White Rock, to Wasson, there's a place called Point Roberts in Washington State. It's actually separated from the rest of America. The only way you can get from Point Roberts to the rest of Washington State is to drive north into Canada, cross it to Wasson, and then drive east a couple of kilometers and then drive down into the United States proper. And so there aren't a ton of situations like that. We have one like that, the Northwest Angle here in Manitoba. But, you know, just little things like that. I know people, for the most part, are doing the right thing. But it just takes a handful of people. Look up Patient 31 mm. from South Korea, where they had things really under control. And one individual, they figure, is uh, is responsible for hundreds of infections because they didn't do the right thing. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, Jeff Braun is here, Kelly Moore, Jeff Fortier, and as COVID-19 continues to affect everything, we learned yesterday, Cineplex and Landmark Cinemas are closing their theaters for the foreseeable future and their entertainment facilities like Cineplex's The Rec Room. So that got us thinking, well, I guess this weekend maybe if we want to watch a movie, we'll just have to do it at home. Maybe order a Santa Lucia pizza and watch something familiar, something that'll make you feel good. And uh, I immediately, for me, like... 
and not necessarily your favorite movie, but like that comfort movie that you can turn to. Like one of my favorite movies is Seven, mm-hmm. but a movie about a serial killer <laughs> representing the worst of humanity. Maybe not the kind of movie I need to watch. What's right in the now. box? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> great. And now we're all laughing at that too. It's a great movie, oh. but when I need to feel better, I usually turn to this. The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Earth's Mightiest Heroes type thing. I have an army. We have a Hulk. It's the kind of movie I can put on and just watch on repeat. It's the, I'll put it on in the background while I'm putting together furniture or whatever. It's just, I love this movie. So let us know what you think. 204-780-6868, your favorite comfort movies. Who wants to go first in this group? Me. Jeff Braun. Um, well... This will come as no surprise to you, Brett. I actually have two, and they're both from 1993. One is Jurassic Park, and the other one is this. Listen up, ladies and gentlemen. Our fugitive has been on the run for 90 minutes. Average foot speed over uneven ground, barring injury, is four miles an hour. That gives us a radius of six miles. What I want out of each and every one of you is a hard target search of every gas station, residence, Warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or dog house in that area. Checkpoints go up at 15 miles. Your fugitive's name is Dr. Richard Kimball. Go get him. The Fugitive, Tommy Lee Jones won an Oscar for that performance, actually. That's a perfect example of something that would pop up on cable and you would sit through all the commercials for it. Every single time. Yeah. Every single time. Great choice. I haven't seen that in a long time. Kelly Moore. Well, and and I kind of like Jeff. I've got a few of them. Dumb and Dumber is one that I just uh, can always watch (laughs) over and over again. And especially the motorcycle scene, it always makes me laugh, and I've seen it about 100 times. But if I really, really... Need to feel good. This is my go-to. Well, we're not the richest of girls, you know, so you just have a little bed and no couch. So you would have to share with all three of us. And on this cold, cold night, it's going to be crowded and sweaty and stuff. Yeah. And we can't even afford pajamas. Mm-hmm. Which means we would be naked. No, no, I think it'd be fine. Great. <laughs> um, the thing that's going to make it more crowded? Uh, Harriet. You oh, haven't Harriet. met Harriet. Because the false one. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry, you're totally going to like her because she is the sexy one. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> and he's a Christian. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, that's a tough situation for that boy. What movie oh, is poor that? Poor Colin from Basingstoke, England. Yeah, it's from Love Actually. There, there's just so many great uh, storylines and and clips. I really had a hard time uh, deciding, but I thought, you know what, this one would be kind of fun for this morning. So yeah, that's uh, per- that's great, and it is. It's a movie that you can enjoy over the holidays. Yeah. It's a movie you can enjoy at any time because it's not. Even though it takes place at Christmas, it's yeah. a movie about love, right? Yeah, it it really is. Yeah, it, uh, to me, I know it's been panned many times by the critics, but I think. The general populace mm. uh, agrees with me, and, and it's a movie that you can just sit back and enjoy for what it is. Right? It's, it's, it's part so sh- of the, 
Oh, sorry. I was just going to say it's part of the Hugh Grant rom-com trilogy along with Notting Hill and Four Weddings and a Funeral. And Notting yeah. Hill comes up. If you look, they actually, someone actually just put out a list of comfort movies for the coronavirus a few days ago. <laughs> oh, it was yeah? an article in a magazine. And but just and not making fun of it, but just the idea we all we will self-isolate and watch films. And the Notting Hill came up in one of the top 20 mm. on several lists. Mackling, what's yours? Sorry, I just wanted to jump in there. I don't think that fits the criteria of social distancing. <laughs> hey yeah. um, Loren, you got me thinking about that whole idea of the criteria here. And uh, my favorite movie for a guy that's not into Westerns of all time is Tombstone. But the movie that I will watch, well, there's two of them in in the... In the series, there's three, but only two worth watching are Beverly Hills Cop and Beverly Hills Cop 2. I will always watch them if they're on television. Great choices, man. Uh, yeah, I, it's been years since I've seen either of those, but uh, they are hilarious. I ne- and yeah, the third one, you're right. The third one was not very good. Loren, what about you? Should I just hit this? This is an example of nonsense movies that you quote from on a pretty regular basis or that I do, like this one. I woke up this morning and I realized I'm about to marry a wedding singer. I am never going to leave Ridgefield. Why do you need to leave Ridgefield? We grew up here. All our friends are here. It's the perfect place to raise a family. Oh, yeah. Living in your sister's basement with five kids while you're off every weekend doing wedding gigs at a whopping 60 bucks a pop? Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! (laughs) (laughs) That that last quote could have been brought to my attention yesterday. I used it so many times. And same in that movie, that scene where they're test driving the limo driver that's their friend, and they make him go around the cones to see if he can be a proper limo driver. And then he runs over the cones and he says to him, you ran out of the cones. And he's like, ugh. But they were cones. <laughs> and I will just throw that out in like random, instead of, a, if I don't have an answer for something, I'll just be like, they were cones. Forte, what about you, buddy? For me, well, actually, Kelly already said it. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yes. Guys, guys, guys. Fellas, I think we could. Listen to the radio. <laughs> it's just—it's a classic. I, it makes me laugh oh. every time. Yeah. And you know what? Another on the same vein, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Yeah. yeah. Either of those first. Well, how many did they do? More than two? No, just two Ace Venturas. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Dumb and Dumber's also got the greatest uh, sports cameo of all time with uh, Cam Neely. Yeah. That yeah. is oh, really. We need to get the Boilermakers. Yeah. In the corner, getting the beer or whatever. And then, and then he turns up at the gas station in the bathroom. Yeah. Right. Turns one, of the, one of the all time great lines, though, so you think there's still a chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're getting lots of text messages at 204 780 6868. One listener saying, Nothing beats Monty Python and the Holy Grail. You have to smile at that one. Trish says, My favorite movies are the Bill and Ted movies. And here's a poll from the 80s The Lost Boys with Kiefer Ooh, Sutherland. That great is movie. a good one. You like The Lost Boys, Greg? Oh, yes. From the day it came out on video. Absolutely great pull. Uh, Andrea says, favorite comfort movie, Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> Hilarious, timeless, and one of those movies that helps you forget what's going on in the world for a little while. And that's why we're having this conversation, because sometimes you do need to forget. Like last night, I was just looking at my phone, looking through everything and thinking, I need an escape. Uh, 
And with all of this talk of COVID-19 and seeing all the businesses that are closing, uh, I found this message on Instagram last night from listener Panda on Veranda. That's her handle on Instagram. And I thought, I read this early this morning, but if you're just tuning in, I want to read it again. And I'm going to risk uh, the waterworks here by playing this music. Maybe Maybe it'll make it too cheesy, but whatever. I like this music. It's from Lost. When this is over, may we never again take for granted a handshake with a stranger, full shelves at the store, conversations with neighbors, a crowded theater, a Friday night out, the taste of communion, a routine checkup, the school rush each morning, coffee with a friend, the stadium roaring, each deep breath, a boring Tuesday, life itself. When this ends, may we find that we have become more like the people we wanted to be, we were called to be, we hoped to be, and may we stay that way, better for each other because of the worst. Those words from author Laura Kelly Fanucci. I've posted them on our 680 CJOB Instagram if you want to see it and you want to share it yourself. Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca, a better place for you. Now, we often invite players or members of the Blue Bombers organization to come on our show every Tuesday and share a bit about what's going on in their lives. But we're calling an audible this week on Breakfast with the Bombers, Loren. Yeah, her next guest doesn't play for the team, doesn't work for the organization, but it's clear she has a whole lot of love for Winnipeg. Her name is Chelsea Rowe, and until last month, her husband Craig was a defensive end with the Blue Bombers. Now, he was traded to Toronto in February, but it's clear their hearts are very much still connected to Winnipeg. This is why we reached out to Chelsea this week. On Sunday, she tweeted, If anyone in Winnipeg knows someone elderly or immunocompromised that feels unsafe going out to buy groceries or supplies for their house, please send me a message so I can give you my contact info. I will gladly go out and shop for them and deliver what they need. Chelsea joins us now. Good morning, Chelsea. Good morning. Chelsea, it's uh, Greg here, and just uh, just tremendous messages all the way through your Twitter feed on the connection that you and Craig had to Winnipeg. I suspect it's going to be tough to leave. It is. I don't. I don't think we're fully yet prepared for that I think you know we we kind of work a box at a time but I don't think we will really um I don't know until we drive away I don't think we'll understand the impact and all the memories and all of the great experiences we've had in Winnipeg so I don't think I'm ready for that yet I guess I know not. it's coming but I'm not ready <laughs> I've heard uh, American players that that come to Canada talk about how the best way to see Canada is to be a player in the CFL because there's a lot of movement. Not all players like Milt Stiegel get to spend all their time with one organization. In fact, that's tremendously rare. Right. Yeah. And, you know, now we get so we started in Vancouver. We drove all the way to Winnipeg, and now we're going to be driving all the way to Toronto. So we'll get to see every ounce of Canada, which we're really excited about. 
Well, you've done something this week. I think you've got a good conversation going, and it's one I think many people wanted to have about the idea of when you're feeling helpless, you know you can help. So what made you post that message on Sunday? What were you seeing that made you think you had to step up? Well, so I, I work at Proda Clinic in Winnipeg, and I was calling a lot of my patients and just the fears I was hearing in the, the elderly people that I was calling, and I knew I have a professional, you know, boundary that I couldn't offer my services to people that I was, you know, working with. And then I was thinking, oh, could I knock on doors at my condo that we live out? But that also, you know, with everything going on, that wasn't safe. So I just figured social media is a great platform. You know, it can get, I didn't honestly expect my tweet to go as big as it did. I just wanted to see if I could help one or two people. Um, unfortunately, nobody reached out to me, but I know it got the conversation started, which I just want, you know, wanted people to know that, you know, they were living in fear and, you know, potentially they could run out of food because they were just so scared to leave their house. And I just felt like it was something that I needed to do. I needed to do something about it. So, And, and in the event just, that uh, somebody were to reach out to you after hearing this, uh, you'll be make yourself available to go out and get some supplies? Oh, absolutely. And there, I actually have multiple people. So I actually had to fly to Arizona for um, for business. But I there's so many. I probably have, there's 10 or 15 people that messaged me that said, if you need help, just message me and I will help you. You know, we can go together. And it was, I mean, I was just blown away by the amount of people that were willing to just step up and just like the idea, um, willing to just get in there and help out in the community. Chelsea, in our next segment, we're going to speak to a Winnipeg woman who had a heart transplant about eight years ago, and she wants to talk about immuno, uh, immunocompromised uh, people. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, because of the line of work that you're in, you're familiar with this terminology. Maybe just uh, share uh, what you know about that. Well, there there are a lot of patients that have, you know, like you said, had transplants or are on medications um, for various illnesses. Um, I mean, there's so many to name, but, you know, it, at the time, their body is taking these medications and that's all it's focused on. So the immune system is then just kind of put on the back burner. So I would, I mean, I would say about 20% of my patients and I had... I had about probably 4,000 were immunocompromised. And it's just things that you don't even think about. Even diabetics that are on insulin medications, you know, they're more at risk for the flu and, you know, even people in their 40s or 50s. And so I think, you know, oftentimes they're probably not thought about in, in this situation. You know, you think about babies, you think about pregnant women, but those people as well. I had a few conversations um, and whenever we were triaging patients, we were kind of isolating as best as we could in the small amount of space that we had. Um, But I don't know, there's just a lot of fear and anxiety with um, everything going on here. And you just don't want people to go without food, you know? So It's it's a tremendous gesture. Your heart's in the right place. And you mentioned just that fear and anxiety and also the fact that Things are changing daily in terms of what's opened and what's closed and what the rules might be in terms of everything from schools to daycares and even borders. Do you have any concern about about traveling and maybe even getting back into Canada, Chelsea, now? <laughs> Honestly, I know. Yesterday we saw that they closed the border, but they're going to allow Americans in. And even though we're still on a work permit, 
I, I don't know what the next two or three weeks looks like for us. My husband actually came with me um, because we were going to go on a business trip, but he's like, Chelsea, I don't want to be separated from you for like a month. Like I know you need to go down there. So he actually came with, which is nice, but yeah, I don't know what that looks like. And, you know, with this pending CFL season, the CFLPA have been sending out messages and, you know, it's everybody's just taking it week by week. So I'm hoping I can come back, but you know, I had to come down here. So, and it's good because we're here with Craig's family and his dad is, um, had surgery last year. So he's at risk. And so I'm actually happy to be here as well for that. But, um, yeah, I'm hoping they'll let me back in. I don't know. Well, Chelsea, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us this morning and thank you for putting this out on social media. What a kind heart you have. Thank you. Oh, yeah, no, thank you guys for having me. Have a great morning. Chelsea Rowe, who until last month, her husband Craig was a defensive end with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He was traded to Toronto in February. And if you want to follow her on social media, on Twitter, it's at Mrs. Chelsea Rowe, Rowe spelled R-O-H. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on 680 CJOB with McGarry and McNabb in studio and Greg Mackling working from home. Greg. In this uncertain time for many of us, who am I kidding? It's an uncertain time for all of us. Uh, There are members of our community carrying the weight of something called immunosuppression. We had just a little bit of a conversation about that in our last segment. Last evening, we received an email from somebody whose partner takes medication for this and uh, and a medical condition which creates this situation, Brett. Here's how the email reads. I'm a student of a private college. Our school still requires us to go despite the government encouraging to social distance. All private colleges in Manitoba have chosen to suspend classes except for this college. They said the only way we can practice social distancing is if we drop out of school. They also said they would only close the campus once someone is tested positive for COVID-19. School head said they'll stay open despite admitting the fact that the school cannot provide a space where social distancing can be done. So there is one potential gigantic problem there. A college not taking the same precautions as similar operations. We just told you a few minutes ago in Ontario with the state of emergency, they ordered the closure of things like not just daycares and rec facilities, but those private colleges. So that could change in the days ahead. But here's the health concern no matter where you are. She writes, I am personally worried since I live with my partner who is immunosuppressant, taking an immunosuppressant medication, and I can be a vector of the virus. So what is this? Who deals with this? Our next guest, Greg, is someone who really this is the reality of their life. 100%. Kristen Miller had a life-saving heart transplant just over eight years ago when she joins us now. Good morning, Kristen. Hi, Greg. (laughs) Nice to talk to you as always, and uh, thanks for bringing this to our attention. Obviously heightened awareness around this, but how concerned are you about being immunosuppressed in everyday life, but even before COVID-19? Well, I think fear has never really been part of my life, and that's been really, really important. I think there's a difference between being aware and being careful, but also never being afraid. So I think certainly now my awareness has increased quite a bit, but I wouldn't say that I'm walking around afraid because I think you're not going to do good things to your mental health or your physical health if you're constantly terrified. 
You have to stay strong on both fronts, Kristen. All of us do. It's a good point about physical and mental health. But I saw something on Twitter in and around this theme, the idea that you're not you're not just washing your hands for you. You're not just taking these extra measures for for yourself. You're doing it for other people who who might be at greater risk. And so how does that work for you when it comes to the impact just viruses can have in general, the, the greater impact on someone like yourself? Right. So I am definitely one of those people who's relying on other people to kind of take care of me or to be aware of my reality. And I think one of the things that's been really, really moving is how many people are doing that and are actually thinking of me. And I'm taking extra precautions. I'm definitely doing more strict contact, you know, social contact. I'm trying to do as much as I can from home. But the amount of people who actually are considering people like me has been pretty moving. You said that you don't want that you you don't want to be afraid, but uh, with COVID nineteen and with this pandemic, has this brought any extra stress to your life? I think it would be natural, and definitely for me, I have had a little bit more stress and challenges for sure. I mean, part of it is the messaging around tends to be that you know it's going to be okay, don't worry, as long as you're not elderly or immunocompromised. So oftentimes the um, conversation kind of ends at that point, and that can leave people like me feeling like our lives may not be as significant or important as other people's. Kristen, a common friend of ours, uh, I, I won't share her name because I haven't been given uh, permission to do so, but but she, um, she's she been in Riverview for a couple of years now, and uh, you could imagine what visits from outsiders mean to people who are in a facility like that and uh, last night was her last visit with her husband and she doesn't know for how long just that whole idea of understanding that there are people out there that are you know we're trying to get ahead of the curve flatten the curve so to speak for society overall there are some people who are making tremendous sacrifices right now for their own health and the health of others yeah completely and i think that it's really important for me to note just how privileged i am in being able to stay home being able to my workplace is extraordinarily understanding compassionate i've got family and friends who are the most supportive people you can imagine I don't have extraordinary financial burdens where staying home is not possible. So while it's important to hear about people like me, I also think about people who are much more vulnerable, who are making incredibly difficult decisions relationship-wise or with kids or with finances. And those are the people we need to even think more about. Mm. We've even had some messaging from people, you know, contemplating the possibility that you could be uh, in a immunosuppressed con- situation. Your spouse comes home and they're ill, and then what do you do, right? Like, how do you control that situation? So there's all sorts of factors at play. You mentioned how your heart was sort of warmed by all the things people were doing to try to take this seriously. What's your message for everyone uh, on this day as we move forward? I think it's really important to, I know some people think that shutting things down or taking these measures is hysteria or is extreme. I would really like to send the message that these things that are being done isn't necessarily anxiety or hysteria. It's kind of our reaction to it. And I like um, the guest before said, we're everywhere. You know, we're our frontline workers. I have a friend who works at hospital. I work with vulnerable youth, you know, taking precautions to help protect us 
protects a lot of people who you may not know or you may not be aware of, and we're grateful for that. Well, Kristen Miller, thank you so much for taking some time to share your story with us this morning at this important time. We appreciate it. Of course. Thanks so much. Kristen Miller had a life-saving heart transplant just over eight years ago, joining us live on 680 CJOB to talk about immunosuppression. is working from home this week as we separate ourselves a little bit during this COVID-19 pandemic and some big news. I just heard Kelly Moore in the newsroom say something about Tom Brady. I checked his Twitter and he has posted a statement which it's quite lengthy but I'll just read the end of it here. He says, I don't know what my future, my football future holds but it is time for me to open a new stage Mm -hmm. for my life and career. I thank you from the bottom of my heart and I will always love you and what we have shared. A lifetime full of fun memories. So that from quarterback Tom Brady. Greg, do you read into that that he's done football or just really looking for another team? I would suspect that that is a message to Patriots fans and that Tom Brady is very much interested in playing football uh, this year and or next year. All right. Well, we'll have get the latest on that as it develops throughout the day here on CJOB. But Loren, you're wearing green today. I didn't make the connection because I didn't look at the calendar this morning. That's all right. You can't have red hair, even though my last name is Scottish. The other <laughs> half of my family, my mom's facade, is Irish McCarthy's. And, of course, today is special to us. It's special to a lot of people. And, of course, there's a lot of people who just like to partake in activities on St. Patrick's Day, even when they're not Irish, right? Green beer, Irish dancing, huge crowds. You see them everywhere March 17th. But even in Ireland today, the parades and festivities were canceled. A Sign of just how seriously officials are taking COVID-19 because of those crowd limits on events that might attract more than 250 people. Yeah, you, you saw things going on in Chicago and Kingston, Ontario, Buffalo, New York, where people were basically thumbing their noses at the notion of setting aside St. Patrick's Day celebrations. But here in Winnipeg, it's forced a lot of businesses to make some tough choices, including at the King's Head. The pub announced yesterday it would be temporarily closing. St. Patrick's Day is its busiest day of the year. Chris Graves is the owner of the King's Head. He joins us now. Good morning, Christopher. Well, hello, folks. How are we on this solemn day for us? Yeah, well, no question. Uh, St. Patrick's Day is uh, uh, one of the busiest days in your business, the busiest day uh, I think I was there probably on your second busiest day of the year, which is Valentine's Day. Talk about how hard it was to, to make this choice, Chris. Yeah, well, I mean, first and foremost, listen, St. Patrick's Day is, it is truly our busiest day. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, at the end of it, uh, you know, when we look at everything, truly the health and safety of my staff was the most important thing before, like, St. Patrick's Day. And I mean, I mean, when you see Ireland shutting down, then you know that you're making the right decision and that it's okay. And you shouldn't, I mean, I didn't expect much backlash. So it was a tough decision, though. The tough, one of the toughest I've had to make. Did you have any backlash? I'll tell you what, you know what, we were actually, we we got some backlash over the weekend. We uh, We were getting some social media ridicule for still being open um, we were trying to explain to some people like we had, you know, we had a wedding social booked upstairs on a Saturday night. And so I left it in their hands to cancel and not myself because they've been planning this thing for a year. Um, so yeah, we were getting some ridicule on, on social media and stuff like that. But 
You know, there's a lot of things that go into decisions like this. It's not just as easy as just shutting your doors. Um, but since we have announced our closing, uh, we haven't had any ridicule, actually. It's been, we've had nothing but outpouring of love and people saying we're making the right decision. And, you know, thanks for being a leader in the industry. So it's been very supportive. It's a, I, I can't even imagine the stress that went into that decision, Chris, because as we've heard from so many business owners, you know, you're it's sometimes in the restaurant industry and in a lot of other businesses, you might be only a few days or weeks away from permanent closure because margins can be so thin. And so what, what's your best case scenario for reopening? I mean, obviously tomorrow, if you could, but, but how long can this go on for you in terms of viability? So right now we are, uh, we've officially shut down till April 2nd. So we'll be opening up on the Friday. Um, the reason why, I mean, here, the main reason why is we have some staff members that are very vulnerable uh, to sickness. And, uh, you know, as, as much as we sanitize, as much as we possibly can, you're still going to be going and clearing off empty glasses off tables, or you're going to be taking people's plates or cutlery, grabbing a dirty napkin. So it, there's always touch points, especially in our industry. And, you know, so that was the first thing I had to look at. And that was like, for me, it was a no-brainer decision that we had to shut her down. But in terms of being able to survive and how long we can get through this, you know, we've been, uh, I, you know, we have a great relationship with our, uh, with our banking institution. So they've been extremely helpful. Um, again, we're not really sure. I mean, supposedly there's government, uh, you know, there's going to be some government help. We have no idea where that's going to come from yet. We're still looking into that. I mean, I don't think anybody knows. Uh, I guess we just have to somehow grab up into the cloud. I think that's where they're holding the $10 billion, I think. So we'll have to figure that out. Chris, a lot of restaurants, sorry, Greg, but Chris, a lot of restaurants uh, are opting to shut their dining room, but remain open at least for takeout or delivery. Was there any consideration given to that? Because, I mean, you guys have great food. Thanks, Brett. I think we have delicious food. It's some of the best. Uh, but it is absolutely true. Like we had thought about that. I mean, we were literally, it was for us, it was all or none because it's so hard for to just be like, yes, let's just go on the delivery side. Again, it's still the touch points, right? I mean, you still have people coming from outside. I can't guarantee where that particular delivery person has come from. Or if I go, I could do curbside and stuff like that. But for me, it was all or nothing. The way that we're asking people to support is to just continue. I mean, we're selling uh, gift cards online now. That's one way to support us. Uh, and a lot of other uh, of people in my industry are doing the same thing, selling online cards and stuff. So it, that helps. Chris, a lot of people don't realize if they've never worked in the hospitality, the restaurant business, the bar business, what a genuine family people become when they work with one another. And that's not to say there aren't other workplaces where that's what it becomes, but there's something special about the hospitality industry and, and the people that you work with. All right. Now you got me. Um, it truly is hard uh, in a situation like this. And this is why it becomes difficult Um you know, when I see people talking uh, to us on, you know, with, will we get the, we do get some backlash every once in a while on social media, but, you know, these decisions are tough because our, we are a family. And, you know, today 
we have a meeting and, and we, you know, we're going to be laying people off and we're doing everything we can pause like internally to try to make sure that they survive and that they still continue to move through life and, and without interruption. And that's something that we're doing personally, like as a King's head, but um, you know, my, a lot of my staff live on tips, you know, and going to get, you know, EI on, on minimum wage is very difficult. So it has been, uh, it, a, pe- a lot of times people don't realize how difficult uh, decisions like this make. And I'm sorry, but the family thing gets me. Well, Chris Graves, uh, for many Winnipeggers, the King's Head is family, and we thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us this morning uh, because when I saw the news yesterday that you guys were closing, I thought, man, this this COVID-19 stuff really uh, sucks in so many different ways. So we appreciate the time, sir. Listen, thanks, guys. And I also want to say one thing, if I, don't, if I could just take a second and just say kudos to all of the other places that have followed us as well. Um, Times Changed was one of the first ones to come out and announce a closing even before us. So good on them. They really got the ball rolling with us. We felt like we were a leader in this industry as well, so we decided to take it as well. And then Shannon's, even Shannon's Irish pub, Girardi, did the same thing, and he shut down, man, for St. Patrick's Day. Like, it's a thing. But I can tell you something. We are going to do a redo. And when we do a St. Patrick's Day redo, it's going to be epic, and we're going to blow it out of the water, and it's going to be insane. So just I want everybody to be prepared for that. Awesome. We'll get through this, and we'll be there. I'm inviting myself. (laughs) You're invited. Trust me. You're invited. (laughs) All right. Chris Graves, owner of the King's Head, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Right now... We want to continue to focus on what to do with your kids. Mm, And we've been trying to give everyone suggestions to keep them entertained and engaged over the next few weeks. And a lot of you have been kind to give us some of your tips and what you're doing. And one of our most loyal texters, and I don't know if that makes him one of our most loyal listeners. We'll ask him in a moment. But first, we want to ask you if you recognize this voice. Hey, kids. Uncle Tazzy here. Um, Kids are going to be home for uh, wash your hands. That was the number one thing I was supposed to say, and I almost forgot. Oh, they say to wash your hands, uh, A, B, C, D, all the way through the alphabet uh, twice, which is long enough, especially if you've got ADD. <laughs> it's like half an hour. Trust me. Uh, here's my thought. The kids are going to be home um, for the next few weeks anyway. Why don't you get your school-aged children, and we'll uh, pick a time, and I will read a book to them over Facebook Live. And if there's interest, we'll do that. So if you're interested, uh, put it down there, like in the little comment section thing. And um, we'll go from there. So wash your hands. I already said that, but we need to do it too. It's going to be inconvenient for a lot of people. And things in the world are going to be a little uh, goofy doodle for a while. But let's try to make the best of it. Let's laugh a lot. And um, yeah, I'll read some books. If you're interested, let me know. If you're not, well, just keep that to yourself. I like that last comment. If you're not interested, keep it to yourself. Winnipeg stand-up comedian Big Daddy Taz joins us now. And Tazzy, thanks for this. Uh, We appreciate not only you joining us, but this idea that you have. What what provoked it? What prompted it? Uh, Where did it come from in that just that gigantic brain of yours? I'm sorry, who is this? (laughs) (laughs) And we have our answer. (laughs) <laughs> uh you know what i i uh just came out the top of my head I, I read the kids all the time in february and um i quite like it i love the interaction with the children and, and teaching some lessons and things like that and i just thought 
I'm not going to get the uh, same response I'm going to get from the kids, so it'll be a little bit weird for me. So let's see what we can do. You know, we're all in a we're all in a big bucket with a whole bunch of holes in it, and we don't know what's going on, and nothing seems to be sticking. So let's make uh, let's make light of the situation where we can. I know it's a very in- incredibly uh, serious uh, situation. It feels like people are taking it way too serious, and yet not serious enough in, in a lot of cases. So. And I know what it's like to have kids at home and um, just try to keep them entertained. And I know I, I tweeted or I, I, I texted in yesterday sort of tongue-in-cheek about uh, everything's going to be fine until the Internet goes down. So, you know, and I think it was Lauren who was saying about, oh, it'll just be like when we were on the farm. Or what did we just in the 80s, what did you do? Well, you went and you played and you did things, uh, uh, you know, uh, board games and card games and books and stuff. The, the problem is a lot of these kids are, are uh, uber socialites right so what are we going to do when you can't have friends over and you know your little sister is bugging you so much that you can't even exist and things so i just thought i'll read a couple of books and you know i would thought i'd get a little bit of response but you know they've had 3500 views on that little video that i did and and uh hundreds of responses and dms and here's suggestions for books and a couple creepy ones saying will you read me a bedtime story i'm you know 54 and i'm like yeah no uh, you know, you got twelve bucks, you know, but um, in a world where it seems like everybody else is trying to take advantage by hoarding toilet paper enough to make a two-bedroom apartment out of it, and all the hand sanitizer to fill a tub and things, let's all try to give back a little bit, you know. Let's all try to make each other laugh and feel a little at home and give a little bit of normalcy. So, how many books do you have at your disposal from which to read? I've got like one, and it's a coloring book, so I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and it's a coloring, it's a coloring book on tape too, so that doesn't even help. Um, I've got, I've got a few dozen uh, kids' books here for sure, uh, and people are willing to. They've, they've said that they'll be dropping them off if I, if I'd like or something. One of the problems, and it's not really a problem, but one of my challenges is I've, I've, I've got uh, dyslexia, which I've uh, sort of, sort of. Uh, got under control over the years so what i need to do is read the book a few times and and uh so i don't uh, stumble over the words i know the kids won't care but i it, it, i still find it uh, and even at 52 i still find it a little embarrassing for me to stumble over words right but uh that's that, my uh you know that's my pie to eat not yours well make it part of the lesson maybe you know i think that's good for everybody to hear there's all sorts of different voices and different ways to learn and there'll be lots of kids that can relate to that one tez yeah, you know what? I, I I I talk about it when I'm reading the, the kids too. My favorite book to read is called Howard B. Wigglebottom Learns About Bullies, and I know I have it here somewhere. Um, and uh, the 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 lesson in it is, you know, and I talk to them about having dyslexia, and I talk about being bullied, and I talk about being a bully. So I think that might be the book that we lead off with. Uh, the other thing is I'm uh, I'm tech, and I'm not very tech savvy, so it'll be just a, a cell phone with me pushing pinning the pictures up to the to the, the camera, somebody go, oh, no, you could have it so you could have like, it. It'll wash over and then the page will come over. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not uh, <laughs> I'm not global. I don't have like, like those kind of guys on my staff, you know, just here, just do a wash. You know, uh, the only thing I'm going to be washing is my hands, pal. <laughs> Taz, uh, help us understand. You mentioned this idea of uh, you need to go through the book a few times. Is, is that so that you can decode the book and understand it uh, based on, on your dyslexia? Well, you know, it's just, I go through the book a number of times for a few reasons. One, so that it's fresh in my brain. And uh, if I have to look back, you know, I also have ADD. So when I look away, looking back and finding the same point is next to impossible sometimes. So I go through the book a, a few times. I, I, 
I go through it to read it, obviously, to make sure it's, it's appropriate and the things that I want to say or change, maybe there's a couple words I want to change to in my brain but and to learn the words. But also if there's voices, I want to get those voices down and I want to be silly, right? A book is only as entertaining as those who are reading it. Now, if you read it in your head, you can add whatever voices you want. But if you're reading it to somebody else, you sort of have to bring it to life, correct? Yeah, I think that's terrific. Absolutely amazing. So here's the uh, question of the interview. How loyal a listener are you? <laughs> and if you're not as loyal as we think, please make something up. <laughs> you three are the most incredibly fantabulous people I've ever heard uh, in your time slot and in your price range. I, um, there it is. Every, every There's morning the qualifier. Every, every morning I wake up and I wake up only to listen to uh, let me check my page here. C J O B. If you can't tell by the amount of times that I text into you folks, and the amount of times I've pulled over to text, and the amount of times that I've called, uh, the amount of love that I have for you, I don't know whatever will. But I'm going to tell you straight out: I love the three of you. I think you're doing a great job. One of you is not as good, but I'm not going to tell you who. You guys can fight amongst yourselves. That's how I. That's how I. Re, that's how I remain uh, regain my power. Right. The only thing that would be really great is if, hey, sometimes you are uh, a person down. You know, oh, Greg's gone to wherever he's going for some sports thing, or that's uh, whatever. There, there, there is a, a comic that can be very serious. It can be used in that station uh, on the microphone across from you, and uh, I have his number. That's a great idea. Yeah. Uh-huh. I know it's a great idea. I'm full of great ideas, well, but only today. Tomorrow just, the rest are terrible. May I just add, as your favorite, thank you for being so intelligent, kind, and handsome. Well, thank you very much. I'm, I'm assuming you're talking to me, given the other two. But um, <laughs> I don't know. Brett will never make eye contact with me anyway, Brett, so it's hard got, to yeah, know. Brett, you got nothing. You got nothing. You got no love for me. You're being quiet over there, pal. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, uh, I'm going to stand my ground on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of us are super talented. The others are tall. Um, that I would agree. That that actually, I should put that on my tombstone. Geez, I hope that's never. I hope that doesn't come about for a few uh, decades, pal. I uh, I adore the three of you. I think you're doing a great job, and it's lovely in the morning. And and uh, is that enough, or do you want me to keep going? No, no, that's not. We that's more than enough. We weren't looking for anything more than a couple words. I should have known better. So people can uh, just look you up on Facebook and connect that way. When are you going to start doing this, Taz? Before we let you run. I think we're going to try tomorrow morning at ten thirty. Seems to be the consensus. I do need to learn how to uh, record and put on. Uh, you know, they, people are asking me to put it on YouTube as well. So I'd like to, I'm going to do that and uh, give me a day to get my, uh, my, my feet under me and, and get a couple of books on the go. And uh, tomorrow, the launch is going to be tomorrow morning at, at 1030. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook if you want, uh, or if you don't want to really, if you want to punish yourself, do that. Uh, it's Taz Norris, as in Chuck Norris, only I'm really cute and uh, not old. But don't tell Chuck that because I don't want him coming to my house. And um, yeah. Please keep doing what you're doing, and, and I know this is a, for everybody out there, and this is just from my heart, this is a really terribly scary and terrifying time for a lot of people. Um, a lot of people have mental health uh, issues, as I like to say. Uh, a lot of people whose depression and anxiety is amping up right now. Uh, don't believe everything that you read. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Uh, try to connect through social media, even though you can't connect uh, or, or, you know, through uh, personal contact. And, and, you know, just love yourself a lot and realize that this is going to pass. It's just when is it going to pass? 
Big Daddy Taz joining us live on 680 CJOB. Taz, thank you very much for this. Thanks, pal. And I meant I meant almost all the words I said about you guys. I mean, uh, the nice ones, that came out the wrong way, but I meant the nice words I said and not the teasing words because that's what I do. The spring market was set for April 18th and 19th at the Red River Exhibition Place, but it's been postponed. Chandra Kremsky and Charlotte Smeal are the co-founders of Third and Bird, and they join us now live on The Start. Good morning, friends. Good morning. morning. Chandra, how difficult was it to make this decision to postpone? Um, I mean, it's a double-edged sword. It was was very difficult because we just know... um, the impact that it is on these small businesses. But then on the other hand, we knew that there was, it was the absolute right decision to make because in this, um, in this time, we need to do everything in our power to protect everyone. Such a tough decision. And we've heard from so many businesses over the last 24 hours, Charlotte, just about the, the emotion that's attached to all these things. And even though you know it's likely, you know, probably the right thing to do, you have these, you know these vendors so well, you know, get to know them as either friends or at least for their businesses. And and I'm curious what the reaction was and, and how this might affect vendors because some don't necessarily have the traditional storefront. They rely on markets like this to get the word out on their place. No, like, like you said, like first and foremost, health and safety of our friends and family, but also our maker community is first. So, you know, that they understood that and they all agreed with the decision. But yeah, these are scary times for people who rely on the market and stuff for their, um, their income. But I mean, we are lucky. We're very fortunate. We have some contingency plans. And I know Shandra and I have made it a top priority now moving forward to use our platform, our resources to support these vendors. Um, And so even now, you know, we're spinning our wheels. We're looking at ways at how we can do stuff online creatively. And then hopefully when this all lifts, um, we, we have options where we can still hopefully recoup some of that for these vendors. No, obviously we wouldn't be in a position like this to be worried about the effects of you closing down this market if you hadn't been so tremendously successful in helping your makers, in some cases, launch their businesses or take them to an entirely different level. What do you say to that, Chandra? It's a sort of double-edged sword, isn't it? It, it is. I mean, you know, right now our biggest um, I, we feel like our big responsibility now is to keep our makers together. We say that we are a Sertabird family and that families stay together and stay strong. You know, so we're doing a lot of support that way to just hear their voice and then take action. Like Charlotte said, um, we have a platform and we have a large one and we want to use it to educate people and to help the greater community support these small businesses and carry them through this tough time. Um, we don't want to see anybody not come out on the other side of this with their businesses. And, you know, that that's the big thing that's scary for them right now. So it's a matter of us using our resources, our voice and having opportunities like this to come on the radio to you know, encourage people to support these businesses um, through online outlets right now. Yeah, and Charla, like, I'm wearing a belt uh, that I bought at your Christmas market from Earth and Hyde. <laughs> Yesterday yeah. I went to Fromagerie Bothwell on Provence because I saw that they were selling limited edition mini egg infused Utafia, which is yeah. also... <laughs> Something that I learned from Third and Bird, like the, the, the amount of the number of local vendors that I have been exposed to 
because of you two is extraordinary. And I would imagine as well, if not for Third and Bird, uh, maybe some of these businesses wouldn't even continue to exist. Yeah, like that's very flattering. And we're very thankful that, you know, we can uh, have that platform to tell the businesses. And just little ways, like even this morning when I realized I'm not going to the gym, I quickly hopped down. I found a local company that sells exercise bands and kettlebells, and they're delivering it to my house this afternoon. I will continue to do that with, you know, food services and anything I can. And it's just ways. And like you said, now you know these businesses. So we're just encouraging people to like look on our website, look at other websites that are locally, and as much as you can support them. And they are more than happy to deliver to your home at this time. Many of them might, that might be what they do best is the online component. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I tell you, it's the easiest thing this morning. It might be easier than me making a trip to Walmart. So, well, it was easier. So, yeah. No, just uh, keep that at the forefront of your mind. And, you know, we are all going to be tightening up on income and stuff. But if you can support them in any small way with, you know, buying a cookie or a belt or whatever it is, it's going to just make us all come out stronger and better on the other side. We've been selling this idea of local first for some time now, and that doesn't mean that we don't have uh, sincere love for national and international retailers, but this idea mm-hmm. that we've created such a tremendous economy here in Manitoba, and so many of these products are Manitoba proud. They've got Manitoba connections. They're either come from the ground uh, where we live or they honor where we live, and, and that's such a, a big deal to so many of us. It is. The, these these makers have a deep love and pride for where they live and this city. And, you know, I'm not from Winnipeg. You guys know this and you, you know, bug me from with my Ontario accent. Um, I have such a deep love for this city, too. This is home for me. And um, we know that during the markets, people come out and support makers. And we are confident that during this time, the community is going to come around them and support these small businesses and, and carry them through. Now, Charlotte, on top of the businesses that participate in the market, you guys are running a business. You're not doing this out of, just out of the goodness of your heart. So how is this going to affect your bottom line? You know what? We are fortunate really are we have contingency plans we giggle that right now we have plan a b c and d um we just need a venue we need somewhere we can host this and we fortunately have some backup dates at red river if not that we have some other places we can set up so um yeah you know we're going to be smart with our finances we're going to buckle down but we also i feel are very fortunate to have the support and the resources that you know we'll come out we'll make more pop-ups it may look different it may be smaller, it may be a later date, but that's okay. We feel like there's going to be a lot of support from the community, and we're excited actually to you know host a market when when we can again. Chandra, when are the backup dates? Uh, currently, we have our first backup date May long weekend, so the fifteenth, sixteenth, and seventeenth. Um, and then, if we're still not clear to host large events, uh, our Second backup backup would be the July um, weekend of the 3rd, 4th, and 5th. And like Sharla said, if, you know, those uh, places don't, dates don't work, then we have a plan C and a plan D. <laughs> well, we can look forward to both that and warmer temperatures all coinciding, hopefully, at yes. the same time. 
Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, we, you know, we are staying positive that, you know, when when we do get through the other side of this as, you know, a community, it's going to be very exciting for shoppers to come out and, you know, support and the makers to come out and, you know, have their goods there. And we actually think it's just going to be a really um, a special time. It'll probably be one of our most memorable mm-hmm. markets when we do get to host it. All right, Shanda Kremski and Charlotte Smeal, co-founders of Third and Bird. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate the time. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. And you can get more information at thirdandbirdevents.com. And you can also get a, a list of vendors that participate in Third and Bird there if you're looking for these local businesses that you want to support. Uh, so again, thirdandbirdevents.com or follow them on social media at Third and Bird. Very active on social media. And uh, like I said, I, I've, I have spent hundreds of dollars at these markets. Isn't that where my Christmas gift came from the, with the pun cards? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I got you uh, car- cute little cards with animal puns. Yes, but now I don't want to give them to anyone. They are like I keep that. I should almost just frame them, honestly. Really? Yeah, because I, I they're so nicely made, but also funny. So I guess I should spread the joy. I know what I'm sounding like a cold-hearted gift stealer, but I'm keeping them. That's fine. Yeah. I, bought, I got them for you and Greg. I bought you a nifty piece of artwork uh, from Third and Bird that uh, is set in the old barn, right? Yeah, it's a collage of different uh, images of uh, Winnipeg Arena, Bell MTS Place. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. I think uh, the old auditorium found its way into it. Yeah, oh, absolutely splendid. And and when you think about the celebration of Manitoba that Third and Bird has become, you can't help but be cheering for them to get back on their feet and get rocking again just as soon as possible. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.